podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way. Liverpool are on fire as they head to face the might of Davy Moyes boys. Can they open up a 14-point gap on their rivals? It's the day trippers. Tonight's show, we're joined by pod debutant Ryan McTurnan, and Moley joins us on the line as we look forward to the match at Old Trafford. We also have a special interview with the renowned playwright Nicky Alt, whose show, You'll Never Walk Alone, the official history of Liverpool Football Club, will be opening in the gaiety soon. And we'll conclude, as per usual, with your listeners' questions. First up, we have an interview with playwright Nicky Alt, whose You'll Never Walk Alone, the history of Liverpool Football Club, has opened a great acclaim in Liverpool and will soon be here for people to see in the Gaiety Theatre. OK, Nicky, you're well known to Liverpool fans as the author of One Night in Istanbul, the hugely successful play that's set to become a movie this year. It must be really special to be able to incorporate your passion for Liverpool Football Club into your writing. Yeah, well, I was... Uh... I was getting a little bit bored of, I don't want to say bored, I don't want to say like that, I was getting a bit of typecast as being a football writer, but I was such a, I was such a fanatical supporter, I mean, I was in 38 games, 42 games a season, man, for, right. 20, for 20 years, and what I found was even when I didn't like football stuff, all the football stuff was going back in to whatever else I was doing, so people keep asking me to do this stuff, and I, I think the reason that they're asking me is they, they know I'm a real supporter, I mean, I know all the fans who went to the away games and every game every single week and you know we were not trying to be super fans we were just lunatic football supporters I was I was like probably what you term a fanatic so yeah. I think most of my stories in life are to do with football so I think one night in Istanbul struck a chord as did here we go gathering cups in May the book and a lot of people liked the other book I wrote which was Boys from the Mersey so I thought the best thing that I could probably do now would be like to, to write the full history of the football club, which I always knew was going to be difficult, but I think we've done a great job. 
Well, absolutely, and, and that, that brings us pretty much to where I wanted to go next. You'll never walk alone. The official history of Liverpool Football Club is the name of the new show. We heard about it first. I suppose we assumed some sort of fact-based, documentary-style thing. Um, what can people expect when they turn up to watch in Dublin, Mickey? Well, uh, basically, it's, it's the whole the whole story from the very beginning, from when they split from Everton, when Everton didn't want to play the, play the increased rent, and sort of like he wanted to make uh, Everton a bigger football club, a city-wide football club. And so they, they renamed it to, uh, well, it was a Dublin man, wasn't it, who renamed the club? It was William Barkley. Right. And uh, J.K. Holding t- uh, moved away, and, and Everton had to move out. And so Liverpool began. But it was a whole journey for me, because, I mean, even though I was a fanatical football supporter, I didn't know all this stuff. You just don't bother. You know, you tend to go to the football game. Yeah. You, know your, you know your heroes. You know your, your moments. But then when I started like delving deep, Liverpool's history is so dense. It was how we got that down into like a, a one and a half, two hour play. But there's a lot of music in there. A lot of the cop songs are in there. Um, we basically told the story from 1892 right the way forward to present day. And uh, listen, there's a whole load of stories that we, we've yet to put in. So it'll be an ever evolving play. It'll always change. Well, that's very interesting. So it's kind of it has that potential for evolution. And what, what was it that, that, that planted the seed for the show? I mean, if you obviously Istanbul is 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 dramatic in and of itself, and 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 a kind of an obvious point of reference or point of beginning for something. Um, but but with this, was it was it more of a labour of love about a, a lifetime of, of of passion for the Reds, or was there some defining moment which made you think, you know what, let's do this. Well, I think sometimes, you know, like like a lot of us who are football fans, I was also a frustrated footballer. I never right. really gave I never really gave it me all when I was young, and I had a bit of a poor attitude. You know, I always thought I was too big for my boots when I was a kid as a footballer. I wouldn't be told what to do. Right. So suddenly you find yourself, you know, you're in your late twenties. You're you're not going to be a footballer. But I'm, I'm by this time I'm a fanatical fan, and, and the team were that good when I was in my twenties. Sometimes I think that they led me astray. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead of playing football, I was always going to watch them all over Europe. Sure. And even though I never had no money and stuff, we were always bunking on the trains and bunking on the boats. And um, which, which was harmless stuff then, you know, I'm not proud of anything, but it was harmless stuff all then. But it's, I think young people can't bloody move now. They can, you know, every time they move, there's a camera on them all telling them they've got to join this club. So, in the end, I just looked at the whole thing. And one night in Istanbul was a fan keeper climbing in out of windows and what happens on a, on, a, on a typical European trip. I wanted to tell that tale. But when I, I looked at the whole thing, I just thought the only thing to do is the whole football club's history. I'm very, very daunting when I first looked at it. Sure, yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to sit down and go through research and, and legends. Or I just thought to myself, I've got to, I've just got to have a go at it. I was really, really worried because the high hill and the hills for stuff, you know, uh, uh, the low points and tragedies. But I think the way we pulled it off, if I'm really honest with you, Trevor, as I say, you know, it's no, show praise is no praise, but I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon with the show. Well, I mean, there's so many of us just kind of on edge to see it, really looking forward to it. I mean, was was it, was that very, very difficult for you, trying to incorporate Heisel and Hillsborough, such such sombre and, and, and tragic events into a show, which obviously, you know, is at, at its heart an entertainment, and you'll want it to be uplifting as an experience. Well, it was because the thing is, it's, you know, I was only used to really, I really enjoy more than anything writing comedy. I mean, yeah. like Istanbul's a typical example. And I think the first book I wrote, one, uh, Boys from the Mersey, a lot of people just say to me that all I ever do is get pulled up in the street and people always tell me it's hilarious. 
and will I write another one? Yeah. But you know, to write a book is is also it's a lot of work. But I will write it. I will write another book to, again. But looking at the hills from the high school points, I thought, well, we can't leave them out. So people are just going to say you've dodged it. Yeah. But with it being a comedy, the thing is, it's to be able to go that low and tell them stories and then bring it back up again. And I think we've re- we've done it really, really well. I mean, last night in the theatre in Liverpool, it, it was like 1,100 people. I think in there you couldn't hear the pins off on the uh, the hills were seen. And wow. by the end, uh, I actually sort of was looking across seats, and there was a hell of a lot of people crying. So, you know, wow. you're proud in one way, but you, of course, yeah, it, it's very, very emotional because a lot of people relive it in in the scene that we do in there. And then by the time that's finished, we have to bring it back up again and. We've got a song and a bit of stuff where that sort of makes it light-hearted and brings it out of that again. But, you know, that was the most daunting part, Heysel and Hillsborough. But I, I think everybody so far has said that we've done it fantastically well. So, uh, you know, I'm over the moon now. It's a, just one of those moments where you feel relieved, if you know what I'm saying. Of course, yeah, of course. What about the far end of things where, you know, I know if, if I was putting myself in your shoes, I'd be very, very tempted to make the whole thing about Kenny Douglas, you know what I mean? How how, how much of a difficulty was it for you to, to avoid maybe centralising your heroes, uh, the ones that you particularly loved? Well, you, you see, it's, we all have our own, and, and for me, like, I'd end up doing probably a half of the show about Bill Shankly. Because right. when I seen him, I seen him as a kid, you see, I mean, I'm 50 now, so when I was a young kid and I seen him, he was like a fella who... who he just struck me as somebody who could lead people who you'd want to follow. You know, he meant what he said. Yeah. His politics were very similar to ours, uh, if not the same. Uh, his passion for football was the same as ours. So, you know, it's sort of, it's funny. It, you know, there's a lot of Liverpool people who are very passionate. Like, there's a lot of very passionate people in Dublin. But it sort of took a Scotsman to come in, a bit like the James Connolly thing. If you, well, you know what kind of story I'm trying to tell you here. Sometimes it takes an outsider to come in yeah. and fire the people up. So it was Bill Shankly, so, you know, there's a lot of Kenny Douglish in there, there's a lot of Bob Paisley in there, he's another fantastic hero, but, you know, we, we've looked at the playing, you know, there's only bits on Billy Little, there's only bits on Albert Stubbins, there's not a lot on Ian Callaghan, the most of Pinterest. there's a hell of a lot of people there, Ian Rush, that we yeah. don't do a hell of a lot on, yeah. uh, and so it, it, it will always evolve, but the temptation for me wasn't Douglish, the temptation was... Uh, that I didn't do too much on Bill Shankly. Right, right. Uh, look, the the show is always going to open as 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 it has done, and and it's it's lovely to hear that it's it's doing so well, um, in Liverpool. But what what was it about Dublin that appealed to you as as a, as a venue for the show as well? I mean, I know there's a connection between the cities, of course, but was there any other reason, um, personal reason that you had for 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 driving it towards Dublin? I think it's very very similar to Liverpool. Every time I come there, it just feels the same. It feels right. The cities feel very very similar. The, the humour's very similar, it's very cutting, you know, very sarcastic. Sure. Everybody tends to like ribbing each other. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, you know, when I've wrote stuff in the past, like I wrote a play here called Brick Up the Mersey Tunnels in Liverpool. That was a huge hit. It sort of kept the theatre open. And it was sort of like, it was, it ran for about five years. And all it did, that play, was just like, it skittered and tore the, it tore the hoop out of everybody in Liverpool. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we had like London directors come up to direct the play, and all they were saying to me was, "You're gonna have to, to tone this humour down and take it down." So it's a Liverpool, Dublin, probably Glasgow's very similar too. It, yeah. It's like it's that humour where you know you might be your best mate, but you give him hell. That's the and, first thing you do, yeah. You tear him down, as you say, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people don't understand it. I mean, I always remember like the 2001 FA Cup final we're playing Arsenal, and there's about eight or, eight or nine of us arguing in a pub. 
and these Arsenal fans were drinking with, they came in and said, they went out and said to, to other lads, all oh, your mates are fighting in there. And we, were just, <laughs> yeah. like, we were all just all turning the hoop out of each other. Yeah. We, you know, the Londoners, they thought we were like, we were going to fight and we were getting aggressive, but we weren't, it's just the way we are. So Dublin, I find it very much a home from home, and I know passionate the Liverpool fans are there, I've got a lot of friends there who are, okay. who are big reds. And I just thought, well, if we're going to do Ireland, we can go to Cork, we can go to the other coast in Ireland, we can go up to Belfast, but where should we start with the show? And the ideal place, the obvious place to start was Dublin. I hope people from the other parts of Ireland, like they did it one night in Istanbul, you know, they'll come into Dublin and, and watch the show. So, you know, that, that, that was the, it was just finding a central point and Dublin was the right place. I'm sorry, I should, I should add to that. Oh, I always yeah. wanted to play the gaiety. Oh really? Okay. Well, that's that, that's lovely. I think you can be fairly, fairly sure that people will make the effort to travel because it's it's uh, it's something that people will want to see, uh, Nicky. But this is going to be a very busy year for you with with, with the show. Are there any plans to to tour it further uh, afield? Yeah, right. Like we want we want to take it all over the world. So that the the associated the, the first two places that it's being really pushed in is is Liverpool and Dublin. Probably the next place might be maybe next year. I don't know. It'll probably be Belfast over to Scandinavia. We were looking this year at maybe taking it with the football club over to America. Mm. But we think we think we're a little bit short. We're a bit tight on that now. But we we we're looking at like uh, the football games, and I just don't think the club has got enough going on. It's great that they have a game in like say New York or Chicago. But I just think it'd be fantastic, as well as the stuff that people like the Anfield Rap do and other little things like bands and stuff. I think it'd be nice to go and educate supporters and say this is the football club and have the show on outside of the stadium somewhere. Oh, absolutely! I, I mean, and again, you can imagine there'd be massive interest. Uh, I really, I really hope you get to do that. I mean, also, you've got. Am, am I right in saying that the movie uh, of One Night in Istanbul is due for release this year as well? Finally, yeah. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It should have been out a year ago. Uh, they yeah. missed the boat with the music and stuff. It should have come out August this year. Uh, sorry, August last year. It's coming out uh, August this year now. So, yeah, we'll be busy, but like that's all in, in now. And you know, again, I have to say a little bit like the Heysel and Hills for stuff going into this play. I watched the film behind closed doors the other day, and I was, <laughs> I've got to say, to you, I was bloody relieved that it was a good film because after like you know spending that long on it, if it would have been an absolute dud, it would have been it would have cracked me up. And I thought, I, I tell you what, I did on even though it was a one and a half million pound film, uh, I've ended up like tearing it apart and saying, no, I've got to start again because. It's such an integral moment, that, that Istanbul moment, and I think, you know, without being biased, I'm a Liverpool supporter, mm. of course, but it's one of the greatest football games that's ever taken place, so we have to make a film that's that done it justice. Sure. I thought Will was okay, you know, it was just okay, and I've seen other bits, but nothing's done that Istanbul uh, day justice, so this is what we've had, a, we've thrown a dice and hopefully, I think we've made a really good film, so... Uh, listen, I'll, ha I'll have a, a more stuff out. I mean, that stuff really, this play now is up and running. That film is up and running. But the other stuff, I mean, I, I'm sort of at the moment, I'm, I'm, I can't stop. I'm just like on this thing where I just want to keep going. Is there, is there any truth to the rumour, Nicky, that you're putting together a new play featuring Colo, Luis Suarez and Brendan Rodgers? Is that right or is that, is that a scurrilous rumour that I heard? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go and see this play, I mean, the, the last five, ten minutes of this play is all about Luis Suarez, uh, Brendan Rodgers, Daniel Sturridge, so all the new stuff's in there now. Anyway, and there's a Fantastic. there's a scene that everybody seem, seems to love at the moment, which we were a bit you know a bit dubious about because we thought, oh no, let's go for it. But uh, well, look, everybody in the Liverpool knows already. But we've got Luis Suarez as Dracula, so there you go. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, you're a match going red yourself. I mean, uh, obviously, an, an old league win would probably drive sales of the shows tremendously. But what do you think are the realistic possibilities of that yourself as, as a man who, who, who watches the matches closely? Realistic possibilities of, sorry? Of us, of us actually maybe nailing down a league win this year. Do you think it's a possibility? Absolute possibility, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean Chelsea have only got to lose a game and they've still got to come to Anfield. I think, you know, a lot hinges on the Man United game the weekend. Well, no, it doesn't really. What, listen, what I would say to you is the great strides that Brendan Rodgers has made and the football of club have made this year is every game's important again now. So yeah. every week comes up and all you hear Liverpool fans saying is, oh, it's, great. it's so important this game. It's like, no, every single game's important now. So it's, it's that old cliche, you've got to take every game at a time. But if, if they win it, win it all Trafford, which they're more than capable of doing at the weekend, then I think it's going to give everybody a huge lift. I mean, even if they draw, I mean, I think it's still there. But it's a good season this season to get back into to the Champions League. But me personally, no, I, I want to go out and out for the league. While it's there, go for it. Sure, as you're a man like myself who's seen the, the the team win league after league, and it's it's something that's that's kind of bred into us as as supporters of a certain age. I mean, will you get to Old Trafford yourself, or will, will, how do you get to batches at all with the schedule that, that you see appear to have at the moment? No, that's where I can I can let off a little bit of steam. I mean, I'll be going to Old Trafford next uh, next Saturday. Still haven't got my ticket, but I'm not worried about that. No no problems. I'll, I'll be getting my ticket on the day, but. Uh, I, I just, look, I don't consider a game like I used to. I mean, I used to go to 38 games a season. I can't yeah. do that no more. But, I mean, I'll go to 20. And that might be 10 away games and 10 home games. So I'll do well. Uh, this season, probably less. I'll probably end up going to, yeah, about half of that. Yeah. Mind you, you know, if you get on a European one, those are the trips of legend for me. So they're the ones I have to go on. So sure. I'll, break the, I'll break the bank and save me money to go to... To, uh, I took them for granted, as I think we all did a few years ago when yeah, we were absolutely. playing Barcelona and you know and Milan and all that stuff. But the next time we played, them, oh, oh my God, am I there? <laughs> Fantastic! I'm, I'm, I'm half there in my head already. <laughs> You're not the only one, mate. There's a lot of people booking flights that aren't real yet. But listen, that's fantastic. Really, really, really a pleasure to speak to you. And the very, very best of luck with all the stuff you've got coming up. Um, we can only we can only wish it success. Uh, thanks, Trev. Listen, I'm really looking forward to Dublin. To anybody who's listening, all my mates in Dublin, I'll be having a good drink this time because I've been sober as a judge doing nothing in Liverpool. So when I come to Dublin, I'm having a little bevy. Good, man. Well, hopefully we might get to share at least one with you at some stage. Thanks a lot, Nicky. Cheers. Thank you, Trano. Right, let's look forward to a match that's been far too long coming for most of us. That's the annual pilgrimage down the East Lanks Road to Old Trafford, which is currently presided over by that die-on of the open letter, Mr... Giant eyes, Moyes. I refer, of course, to Manchester United versus Liverpool on Sunday at lunchtime. Now, United are 11 points back, and despite a win at the weekend, they're clearly struggling under the Scots' tenure. Uh, many Liverpool fans will maybe foolishly be expecting a facile victory, but all of a sudden this fixture is even more massive for the Manx. We beat them, they suddenly struggle, struggle to get Europa League, but a win for them, and they'll be dreaming about hauling themselves back into the top four. So, Moly, are we confident going into this game? But I, I'm never confident going into any game if I'm completely honest, John. I'm just one of these guys. But I, I'm usually more nervous going into a game, especially against the Manx. But this week, I'm just not that nervous going into a game if I'm completely honest, John. They seem to have lost that fear factor, or as I like to call it, the, the Fergie factor since Moyes took over. So, confident, no, but I, I'm not nervous going into it, into it either. 
Okay, okay. Uh, Ryan, Ryan McTernan, what's your take on Are you confident going into Sunday? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no reason not to be. Um, Man United aren't exactly the best team in the world at the moment, and we're riding high in a lot of confidence, and it's going to go... I have kind of an idea of in two different games that might happen, but uh, I'll save that for later because, you know, predictions, whatever, but there's no reason we can't go there and just sit back and let them come at us, come at us, come at us, knock it up the other end of the pitch, 1-0, mm. go from there. Fair enough. Andy, how are you feeling going into it? Yeah, looking forward to it, big time. Um, the game, not having a game this weekend was, was a killer, like, you know, so really looking forward to this one. Um, normally, as Molly says, I'd be uh, absolutely shitting myself uh, when we're playing the Manx and probably come Sunday morning I will be as well but I'm really looking forward to this one more so than ever because I'm just relishing the idea that we could actually tonk them mm. like we could actually tonk them yeah, play so them off the fucking park so there's that little bit extra yeah belief. so I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it in the sense that I think like Liverpool have the best chance they'll ever have going to Old Trafford and, yeah. and taking three points handy but mm. that's not saying they will okay okay Dave Thomas, what are you thinking? Uh, you're usually an upbeat kind of a man. What are you thinking? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a little like Andy. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, my feeling on this is that, you know, they won't beat us. The only way we lose is if we beat ourselves. We're better than them every area of the pitch. You know, we're... And I, and I can't remember the last time we went to Old Trafford and we were better than them pretty much throughout the side. You know, we've won four in a bounce. Uh, so it's you know for this Liverpool team it's a bit of a make or not make or break but it's a, it's a big game. We win this game, you know, then the title looks looks like something we can do. If we lose this game, it's not a disaster, you know. And if we draw it, we're probably nailed on for top four. So you know we go there with a lot of confidence, not a lot of pressure, and we should beat them. The only way we don't beat them is if we don't turn up or if we beat ourselves. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, there are some obvious questions going into this, uh, and they're all basically around selection. So we start at the back. Mamadou Sako apparently had an impressive run out with the 21. So should he be considered for selection, given his aerial prowess and the fondness that Mr. Moyes has to get his Manx crossing the ball? Um, Phil, I'll come to you on this, and you can start by telling me whether you're confident as well. Um, on the confidence side, no, I'm not. I've, I've I've seen this game from a long way out as one that we're going to lose. Um, it's it, I, I, and it's just it's just a feeling I have. Um, I think that as as good as we have been, and as good as, I, I think this for them is their World Cup final. I think their whole season rides on this match. They have nothing left to play for. Um, I don't even think I think Moyes puts out the strongest team. He, he, Moyes is such a small time fucker that he doesn't understand that a Champions League game is a much bigger game to win, and they need to win that more than they need to win the, the actual league match. But the fella has um, like I, I don't rate him as a manager. Never did rate him as a manager. I think he's he's an average manager who's managed to fluke a big job, and he'll put this will be his World Cup final. If he beats Liverpool, he'll think a season is a success in his own head. Whether he'll say it out publicly. That's exactly what he'll think, right? So, for me, they, they will put their whole season into this one game and we might come up short. That's That was my genuine thinking on it, but I don't think it affects our season as such because we're you go to United, the, the form book goes out the window. There was many times we went under Julier and we managed to turn the Manx over 1-0 even though they were the, the stronger team and they went on to achieve things and we went on to finish maybe third or fourth in the league in, in, in its place. Uh, coming back to the question on, on, on Sacco, um, do I think he should start? No. Um, any other time of the season, I would have said yes. However, I do think that we're going to need him more on the run-in. I'd like to see 60 minutes um, himself uh, come on at that point. 
um, to prevent any type of barrage. I'm, I'm hoping that we win the game. Don't get me wrong, I don't want us to go out and lose the game, but I'm hoping that, that, that we win the game. And from that, I just think that if, 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 we're, if it's nil all or we're one nil up or whatever it is at 60 minutes, you bring Saka on because the only thing Moyes is going to do is try to flood the flanks and whip in 946 million crosses in the last 20 minutes, right? And he's just, like, he's, he's such, a, like, Saka will be brilliant in that instance, but to put him in from minute one, having had no games in such a long, long time and expect the performance out of him is asking just a bit too much out of the player. And it's, it's, it's heating pressure on him when we don't need to heat pressure on, on the actual player himself. I would put Colo Torre in um, for Martin Skirtle um, purely because I think Torre is, is, is more dominant in the air than Skirtle actually is. And I think he would be served better in this game than Skirtle potentially would be. Um, and I I just prefer the, the Torre Agar partnership over the the, the Skirtle Agar partnership at this moment in time. There's one there's one there's two leaders effectively in, in the back, and I think Agar and as I said before, I think Agar and Skirtle could get muscled out muscled in this game. Okay, um, Andy Young, how are you feeling about Sacco coming back in, and what do you think the resultant shape of the team will be there at the back? Yeah, it's a risky one just throwing Sacco back in just like that. But um, I would have the ten- the temptation would be there to bring in Sacco or Toure for Agar. Actually, uh, I much prefer Agar as a player, but he's just not played enough football this year. And I think the mis- mistakes that Gertl has had, he's had a far you know better season than their mistakes. You know, he's he's played well for us, and in big games, um, like against Arsenal, he scored and he scored against Chelsea early as well. So I think uh, Skirt will be up for this game. Agar is just a little bit mixed, and he's losing his concentration. And he, you know, I just don't fancy Agar at the moment. Although I prefer him long term, he, he he's my favourite out of a lot of them. So I'd be tempted to put one of them in, and uh, given Torre like he's capable of fucking at him, uh, I'd probably go with Sacco. No problem. Like I think Sacco would love it. Okay, um, Ryan, what will be your shouting at? Yeah, um, just to come back um, on what Phil said about Torre dominating the air, I actually did a piece that's not up yet, but on Colo Torre, and uh, his aerial duel win percentage is like abysmally shit compared to the other three. That's <laughs> um, blowing you out. No, 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 right I'm not, I actually counter-argued it. I said maybe he's coming up like he, against Benteke. He's up against bigger dudes because Rogers knows Skirtle isn't exactly... Mr. Macho in some ways even though he might look the part but I, 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 even though I'd like Sacco to come in I think I'd bring him on half an hour to go you know I might think back to the first game at Anfield against United Skirtle and Agar ripped Rooney and Van Persie or ever played that day a new one like they were just they weren't getting beat so I was thinking maybe you know maybe they'd have a good game again but uh, yeah I think I'd even though I don't like Skirtle myself uh, I'd keep him in with Agar and then maybe bring Sacco back in or Torrey at the end yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like I don't give a shit about stats, to be honest with you. It's, uh, when I see Torre playing in, in the back four, oh, the, yeah. when we're going up against physical div- attackers, yeah. I'm just a lot more confident. I'd be the, yeah, no, I'd be the same. Um, and I think it's, also, it's, it's been interesting that in, in recent games when uh, Rodgers has felt like the teams are going to try push against us and throw the kitchen sink, he's taken Agar out and put Torre back, back on to, to, to give that leadership mm. um, and, and, and to give us a bit more of a physical presence in the box because the lads get beaten on crosses. And th- like we'll, we'll be talking more, I know we'll be talking more, but it, it leads into what full-backs do you play? Mm. Uh, United's game plan is going to be to get wide and put, put crosses in. You don't put Glenn Johnson on that football pitch. No. 
because Glenn Johnson will let them get the crosses in all day long. Okay, well, let, let's let's kind of uh, move into that then. I, I, it's pretty much introduced at this stage. Uh, Dave Thomas, does Ali Sissoko get back in? Um, there was a little thing in one of the, in the newspapers, Plaza Deportivo, I think, saying that Liverpool weren't going to take up the option to um, to buy, um, which would probably indicate that Ali's off again, uh, which might say that he's maybe not in the best frame of mind. Does he come in for you? No. And, you know, I know that's going to upset Phil, but personally, I think you start with the same back four we had against Southampton. You okay. know, it's a clean sheet. It's a big game, so, you know, everyone's focus and attention levels are going to be a little higher. The other thing I'd point out about Moyes' crossing strategy is it's a largely unsuccessful strategy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not like they're... He hasn't got Benteke up front. He hasn't got Lukaku up front. He's got Van Persie and Rooney. And, and they're good headers of the ball. I'm not saying that, but that's not the game they want to play. The way we win this game is we win it going forward, not going back, right? So the, the entire team is going to be picked based on who does Brendan think is going to score the most goals. And that's why Johnson plays. I'm not saying it's the best offensive choice. And I can I can absolutely see the, the validity of saying, well, you know, if you want to stop crosses, Suzuko plays. And if you want to head away crosses, Sacco plays. And if you want to, you know, head more crosses away, Torre plays. But he is going to go, we've just won 3-0. We've won four and a bounce. This game gets won by our attackers beating their defence, not their attack beating our defence. And I think that's how we structure the team. You actually think it's that kind of a balls-out attitude that it's really, really will outscore? I mean, have you been... I mean, well, look I at the way we played this season. I, I suppose what I'm saying to you is, if you think about the likelihood of Glenn starting, and, you know, this, I'm not going to let this turn into a whipping session on this kid, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't stop cross as well. Now, other teams who have far more proficient defensive fullbacks have struggled to keep Man United from crossing the ball and you know we're then inviting them on to cross and they're going to get crosses in and then they're coming in on top of uh, Agar and Skirl yeah, in, and your, in and your back four and you're right but the modern fullback right is asked to do so much in the game and I think Rogers has said, okay, I haven't got a fullback that can do it all, mm. right? So I pick Suzoko who can do the back 50%, or I pick Johnson who can do the front 50%, which one is going to win me the game? And I think, again, we can disagree about it, but he will pick Johnson because Johnson will give him that front 50%. Yeah. Molly, would you agree with that? Can you see Johnson starting? Yeah, 100%. I fully agree with everything Dave just said there because Eddie Suzoko, you are right, he probably is a little bit better defensively than Glenn Johnson. And he might stop those crosses coming in. But that's why I'd have Johnson on the left. And I would bring Saka back into the, the centre-half position to clear those crosses coming. Right. So, I, I know Clint Johnson is getting a bashing of late. But there's no one that's going to convince me that Alice Sissoko is a better player than Glenn Johnson. Yeah. You know, he, he just isn't. And at the end of the day, you put out your best team out in the park each week. And whether we like it or not, Glenn Johnson right now is our best left-back. So he has to play you know, in the summer, I'm sure we're going to upgrade him and get one better. But for now, he's the best that we have. So for that reason alone, Glenn Johnson has to be in. Yeah, no, Molly, I'd, I'd counter the argument for uh, Sissoko. I'd actually put... I, he, he probably won't go in, to be honest. Glenn Johnson probably will start. But Ali Sissoko, right? He's, Ali Sissoko is like a toasted ham and cheese sandwich. All right? No, this just is going to be stick great. With me. Just stick with me. Yeah, okay? yeah, just go. stay with her. Okay. The thing is, is that... You know, you could have had so many better options for lunch, but you just got the simple option, and that's what Sissoko is. He's, I, I think, you know, your best players don't have to be... Johnson is certainly more talented, but uh, I think Sissoko defensively, 
he's gonna he's just gonna be a lot more better for as you said dealing with the crosses and stopping them because when we've won those counter-attacking games against the big teams who was there at left back now he mightn't have been doing the best of jobs but he certainly was you know keeping out some of what Kevin Morales was doing at, uh, against against us at Anfield uh, stuff like that so yeah. I, I personally just me my, my own thing like if if it came to the option uh, you just said you know Sissoko probably won't be signed in the summer if it, if we got an, an offer for Enrique that was above the value of what Valencia won for Sissoko I, I'd actually go for it I'd sell Enrique and get Sissoko in but that's, that's just me I just that's just me what well, it's, it's a strange one for me it's, and it's kind of recording team for Liverpool fans it seems that the players that don't play actually get better in the minds of Liverpool fans. You know, yeah. Cody is a perfect example, Luis Alberto, all these guys who are not actually on the pitch and doesn't play seem to be world beaters in the eyes of a lot of Liverpool fans, where the actual truth is they're absolutely crap. There's a reason <laughs> they're not playing. And that's because they're hopeless. And Sissoko falls under that category. He is, all right, he's not hopeless, but he's certainly not good enough for Liverpool. Some people might say Glenn Johnson isn't either, but when it comes to attacking-wise, even defence-wise, I'd argue, Johnson's a much better player than, than Sissoko. Yeah. Can't, I can't be having that. I cannot be having that. Seriously, I've watched the deterioration of Glenn Johnson over the last 18 months, and bar a four-month spell at the start of this season, he's been pure, unutter pants, right? And, and let's be straight about it. The fellas come back in. It's this year's reign. Yeah, and it's like, I, I'll say one thing, right? The one thing that, that's going for Johnson over the last two games is the last half an hour of the last match, he started to look like a footballer again. But it's a half an hour where you've comfortably, when, when you're, you're now comfortable against Southampton, actually count as a crunch match. Now, this is not a crunch match. I, I, and I'll, I'll go back and, and, and reiterate that this is not a crunch match for us. It's crunch in terms of if we want to win the league, we go to Old Trafford and we win, right? If we want to finish third, it's not a crunch match. If we want to finish fourth, it's not a crunch match, Right? But for me, I'm just looking at it and I'm saying, I want to see, I want to see defensive solidity. I want to see a, a back forward that can defend the, what's going to be put up against them. And if you're picking a team that's going to defend what United are going to try to do, then Sacco does come in and Johnson, uh, Johnson goes out and Sissoko comes in because they're the best players at preventing cross balls and, and defending crosses, right? I, I, and I, I'll, I'll go back to what Dave says. I do agree that that won't happen. I, 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 that Brendan will stick with the team that won against Southampton. I have no issue with that at all, but it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a quick point here you said about it, this isn't a crunch match. I, I highly disagree with that. I think this is probably the biggest game of our season. And, and I tell you why. If we beat Man United, we are then 14 points clear of United. So that, that completely rules them out of catching us out. Spurs are playing Arsenal. If Spurs drop points against Arsenal, we could go nine points clear of them. And as far as I'm concerned, if we're 14 ahead of United, 9 clear against Spurs, and I think we're about 11 clear of everything, that's it. We have we had, didn't have Champions League guaranteed. And then we can start looking at third, second and first. Yeah, but my but point... Until my, then, my, but but, but you know, Mal, Mal, I just concentrate on getting that fourth place and then look forward. It depends on what your ambition is. Like, Molly, every game we play from now to the end of the season is the biggest game of the season, yeah, as long yeah. as we keep fucking winning. Because we have, cha- uh, we have winning the league ambition. Uh, as well, Phil, like Phil has sort of said in the past that he's happy with fourth, he's happy with third. We get Champions League; it's fucking massive for us. It's as big as win the league for him, and it's mm. true to a certain extent. I mean, as soon as Liverpool lose a game, that's what our focus is. It's just making sure we keep that. And I personally think that Liverpool will get this fourth place at a canter. 
you know, they can afford to lose the game and still get fourth, no problem. I don't think Spurs like are just going to turn turn up and get seven points more than us for the rest of the season. I just don't think that's going to happen. But it is the Manx, and it is a fucking huge game. And if Liverpool want to win the league, and at this stage, I'm looking at the league, you know, and I think most Liverpool fans are. Yeah, and, and to put it into context, Molly, in terms of you, I mean, for United to catch us, we would have to lose three more games, three more games than them, over nine games. Mm. We've lost five games all season. We've lost something like 10 games out of the last 65 league games, right? This is not a team that loses games, right? So United are gone. You know, and I think calling this the biggest game of the season, actually what that does is I think that puts an undue pressure on the game when really it's the biggest game of the season for United, as Phil said. It's not the biggest game of the season for us. Because the reality is we lose this game, we've got a Cardiff and Sunderland, we win both of those games, we're in the top four. You know, it it doesn't really it matters, it's United, it matters, it's painful if we lose, it matters. I don't want to play it down. But this is not our biggest game of the season. You know, Every game is the biggest game of the season if we want to win the league. If we want to finish top four, we need to win, what, five out of the next nine? Yeah. Well, that's it. That's it, exactly. That small time t- thinking of this being our biggest game of the season, thankfully, has gone out the window a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I realise it's not going to boil down to whether Johnson or Sissoko plays. It's not going to just boil down to that anyway. No. No, simple no, as that. No, 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 I mean, no. that's, what we're, that's what we really started this debate. Mm. And it's fucking Johnson or Sissoko. They're both fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Ryan, if Ali is a ham and cheese sandwich, what the hell is Joe Allen and does he retain his place? <laughs> and if he does retain his place, is it at the expense of Phil Coutinho or, or uh, Raheem Sterling? And what kind of sandwiches do they for? I tell you what kind of <laughs> I tell you what kind of sandwich Joe Allen is. Go on. He's a piece of prime Welsh lamb coming into the side. <laughs> Go on, Joe. Drifting in from Swansea. No, I tell you. I love I absolutely love Joe Allen there's no words that I can say that can actually sum up my feelings for this man uh, I kind of wanted to be my best man at my wedding honestly God, that's, that's what that's like. sounds like you wanted to be more than best man <laughs> Joe if you're he's not listening forget um, yeah you'd be surprised uh, if Pepper Rain is fucking listening you didn't listen to me during the week there last week did you coming out talking crap no honestly back to Joe Allen he um, I would definitely bring him in at the expense of uh, of poor Phil because um the thing is, is Raheem was dropped for Joe Allen for the Southampton game, and that turned out to be a masterstroke from from Rogers. Uh, the only reason Coutinho might stay in is because uh, the argument might be that the front three mightn't have the kind of penetrative passes that Coutinho has in his locker. But Joe Allen is starting to get that into his game. I, I think Allen is kind of a a hybrid of he has a bit of Henderson's game, he has a bit of Coutinho's game, and he has a bit of say Lucas's game. Not at the same level. But he, he, he has enough of, of everything that he can come in, especially for the away games, and, and do a job for us. That's probably why we went for Konoplyanka. So in these kind of games, if Sterling was dropping out, you'd still have a winger who's actually quite creative. Because uh, Sterling is more of a, a goal scorer, I think, in, in the end. He'd be a goal scorer and wide forward. But um, Alan, for me, uh, he'd definitely be coming in at the expense of Coutinho. But I'd say, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Sterling that dropped out again, but hopefully not. He still sound like proper best man material, the way you describe him, all right? Um, There'd be no shit, and he'd have the rings there. He'd be so efficient. He'd be like, get it going, get the car. You'd have bo- both your eyebrows. The speech would be boring, though, wouldn't it? The speech would be boring. It's going to be boring. He'd be in. He'd be with Brendan in that room that, that black and suit. white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're beautiful. Who says that? Who says that? I mean, I mean. Andy, Andy. Uh, Andy, Andy, if Joe comes in for you, uh, who, who drops out? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely Coutinho. Uh, there's no way we should be dropping Sterling again. No way. Um, I think he could fucking cause havoc for United. Um, especially the three boys there, Sturridge, there, uh, Sterling, and Suarez. So no, if if uh, Alan is coming in, um, Coutinho drops out. It's it really is what way Brendan wants to approach the game. If he wants to kind of keep possession and move up the pitch slowly and just, you know, stop them from playing, which they fucking can't anyway. Uh, it's play, it's play Allen and just try and keep all. If he, if he wants to let them come at us and then catch them quick, it's Coutinho. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, man the match for Hadi's lot during the week. Does Raheem stay, start, does Raheem start for you, Dave? He does, yeah. And uh, for me, Allen drops out. So I'd play, Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'd play Coutinho and Sterling. Uh, you're all laughing. I, I, I keep saying the same point. The only way we win this game is if we play our game and we blow them out of the water, right? If we are timid and if we sit back, Old Trafford will get to us, the crowd will get to us, and all of a sudden, this biggest game of the season that they've got, they'll start bombing down the flanks, and before you know it, we're heading away crosses. So you just can't be arsed with defenders, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, we haven't been arsed all season. Why would we start today? You know, it's like, you know... If you look at the way United play, right, they push their fullbacks on, they push their wingers on, which means you need players who are able to operate in different parts of the field. My worry about Alan is he's a tidy passer. You know, he's a he's a very good operator. I'm a big fan of his. I think he's going to have a great future with Liverpool. But you know, going into those areas where he's going to have a, not a, not a lot of time, but he's going to have to pick the right pass or or have a lot of pace. He doesn't have either a killer pass or a lot of pace, which is why I would bring Coutinho and Sterling in. And you go, you try to score early, try to build up a lead, and then you bring Allen on, you know, second half, shut the game down, or, you know, our version of shut the game down, which is score another two. <laughs> <laughs> under, under normal circumstances, I can see the point. The, my problem with Coutinho is that he hasn't turned up in away matches for, for most of the season. Um, the home games, he did exactly what you were talking about in terms of Arsenal and um, Everton at home. Terrier in there, winning, snapping, getting the ball quick, effective, right? We've gone away from home and he tends to drift out of games. I, I think, and we mentioned this a couple of weeks back, that um, when you have Coutinho and Sterling, you don't have to play both of them. You have something that you can bring from the bench. And I think in, in this type of atmosphere, in this type of game, Coutinho, again, is an option that if you put him on the bench, you can suddenly change the way you play your game. That if you're 1-0 up, let's say, owning with 60 minutes on the clock and the 1-0 up and you then take Joe Allen off and everyone's expecting that you, you slow the game down where instead you just play much more on the counter because they're going to really come at you and then you exploit the space that they're going to leave behind and Coutinho is the man that will be able to exploit that space in the same way that you, you want what you want to do is you want to exploit it from the start Sterling's ability to get behind their fullbacks in Evra particularly I, I, I Evra mean, because He's yeah. a fucking cunt. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest about it. And the big thing for me, I mean, I, I could, I, I wouldn't be devastated if Alan started instead of Coutinho, but Sterling has to start because yeah. that back four that he played against West Brom, which is Smalling, Jones, Evra, and Raphael, Sterling, Sturridge, and Suarez will just eat them for breakfast if mm. they're on form. Well, maybe we'll just take a look at what what the, what the tactics will look like then. Of course, it's very much um, player dependent and personnel dependent. Molly, for you, basically, what? What if would you tell us what you think the midfield is going to look like, and then based on that, what approach do you think Brendan's going to take? Do you think we're going to go at them from the start, um, or do you think we're going to kind of um, bide our time and hit them on the counter? What, how would you see it shaping up, and with whom? Well, I'm with Dave in this one. I reckon Alan will come out, and Sterling will go back in because I can't see us being too worried about a United midfield of Carrick, Cleverly, and Fletcher. So you know, you're looking at Henderson and Gerrard. 
they'll take care of those all day in midfield. How our approach will be? It's as simple as we have the same approach just for all season. Our approach will be attack, attack, attack. Like, if you looked at the Southampton game there last week, as soon as we kicked off, we went for their goal straight away. Mm. You know, a lot of teams kick off, to play it back, to pass it around. So, from kick-off, we went straight for goal. And I think that's going to be our approach, really, for the rest of the season. Yeah. And especially against Kids United. They're not special defence-wise. And if you look at Sterling, Swaridge and Sturridge up front, United's defence must be shaking their boots thinkable face in this weekend. We're in danger, uh, Ryan, are we, of uh, not just us, but people in general, of being perhaps overly dismissive about United. It is, after all, still United, and they do have a, a trio of Mata, Rooney and Van Persie to worry us. Is there anything else we should worry about, aside from that clearly obvious threat? Not really. Uh, <laughs> no, on, no, honestly, um, I hope that United fans are absolutely like looking forward to this so much. I hope that United fans are getting themselves geared up as best they can so that and I hope Moyes is doing it to the team as well. So I I'm kinda hoping that United come out, you know, all guns blaze, like this is this is our World Cup. You know, this is our big game of the season because Rogers will sit there with his big ass grin on his face and he'll just be like, Yeah, take it in, take it in and he launches it forward and that's how, I think that's how we'll win. I I think the counter attacking style will work. I think um I think it's either going to be a game similar to the Spurs one or else it'll be a flip of the coin it'll be like Arsenal at the Emirates a few weeks ago. I think it, it could be one of those games where uh, I'm not going to blame it on referees but it could be something like decisions don't go against us or else they'll get Raphael sent off and we'll fucking stick five goals up their arse. So but I, I'm, get, I'm getting a little bit of the fear basically listening to you and listening to Dave and the general consensus here, this is going to be one of those matches where I basically fucking age about five more years, which will make me, what, what's that, about 107? Is that what we said at this stage? So it's going to be fucking horrible, isn't it? Yeah, th- yeah. It's, 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 it's just, you're just going to have to sit there for 90 minutes and with, your, with the remote control clenched between your ass cheeks, hoping that nothing happens, because, honest to God, uh, no, I'm not messing, because it'll either That's be... a really, really disturbing image. <laughs> and I think Phil should edit that shit out. <laughs> you must have big buttons on that. <laughs> Change the channel. No. Um, <laughs> um, it, 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 really, it really is. It, no, it really is. It. Um, I can see... I would not be surprised to see a red card in this game. Yeah. For, you know, I, maybe for us, who knows, Gerard could put in a challenge similar to, like, four years ago, Kenny's uh, debut back as uh, manager. Changed the game completely... Um, there's no reason. I don't think we've anything to fear in truth because none of their players really seem that up for it anymore. Uh, I can't imagine how Moyes would motivate a team. He couldn't motivate Everton at away games. I know this is a home, whatever, but uh, I, I, I honestly do. I, I'm, I'm feeling confident about it, but at the same time, there's like 50-50 chances it's just going to be another like 2-1 loss or something. And, Andy, do you think it's going to be as bananas as the lads are suggesting here? Uh, look, it's, you know, football, I can go... The complete opposite way that any of us are talking here, um, like the fear factors there that United are going to treat this as their final and come at us and raise their game and yada yada. yada. I was thinking about that, but they haven't raised their game at all. They've had big games, fucking lots of big games. Mm. Played City, you know, they haven't really raised their game at all against anyone. So there's no reason to be sitting here thinking, oh bollocks, like United, you know, they're still United, they're still. Okay, it's possible. I'm not fucking ruling out. They could be this. They could be this handy, but um, it's football. It can go either way. Like we're only sort of talking about how we feel it will go. And personally, I think if Liverpool get their tactics right, you know, and play the four-three-three again, we're going to beat them. 
quite convincingly. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think we've probably done quite a lot on the lineup at this stage, unless anyone wants to talk about anything else personnel-wise. Is that fair enough? Molly, get us going then with the predictions uh, to round this up. How do you see the game going in terms of a scoreline? I'm going to go with a 3-1 win, and I think Suarez is going to get a worldly goal. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, Andy Young, how do you see this one finishing? Yeah, 3-1 as well. 3-1. Jesus, the spirit of Daly is strong in this room tonight. Ryan? 4-0. Uh, would you care to, uh, 4-0 oh yeah, yeah well it'll either be 2-1 like the City at Eddie had and the Chelsea game uh, but I think 4-0 yeah 4-0 we thank them yeah. nice one uh, what about yourself Dave I think we'll win 2-0 2-0 a nice comfortable well <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, I think we'll probably edge it as well but I'd say it'll be tighter I'd say it might be 2-1 um, Phil it's a 1-0 and, and you're not going to commit as I said I said, yeah. said from the off I just have a feeling they're going to get a scaldy 1-0 against us as in a reverse of the Julia area when we used to get scaldy 1-0s against them mm. like the Carling Cup game yeah yeah. Like, just a scaldy 1-0 where we're, we're, we're clearly the better team yeah. but they get a fucking I don't know bounces in off Fellini's arse or something or, or a fucking Evra falls over and hits him on the knob and it goes in I don't know Just <laughs> Do you not think Suarez is going to be on a fucking mad one for this game oh listen Andy I swear to you I, I genuinely every time I logically think of the match I see us winning the game right but football and logic don't always necessarily go hand in hand with each other which is why you get images of United players knobs knocking the ball over the line <laughs> <laughs> maybe <Yeah. laughs> alright uh, or a United player who's a big knob knocking the ball out lovely and on that note let's move on then to our listeners questions first one is from regular tripper James Owens who wants to know what was your worst experience in an airport now um, personally speaking all my airport experiences are shite because everyone thinks I look like a fucking terrorist <laughs> so I get stopped I used to get stopped as an IRA man now I get stopped as Al-Qaeda basically because I just have the head on me Uh <laughs> Any, anybody else actually have anything worse than that because uh, basically I'm always stopped it's shit the cleverest I, I know it's, it's not it, listen it's not even funny <laughs> next one uh, Phil I'm going to ask you because I, I know you're uh, know you're interested in this topic this is from James as well and he's wondering if big Anthony O'Donnell and big Joe Joyce fought a dinner night this Sunday on the 16th of March who would win I'm uh, given the date now I'm going with big Joe Joyce on, yeah, but I, I, I think he's, he just, he's just got ruthless aggression built into him, especially around Paddy's day. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be ready for this fight more than any man alive. <laughs> a gentleman away from the time, but definitely he's definitely going for it. He's going for a big time. He sees himself as being the Paddy's day hero, and Big Joe Joyce takes this one all day long. You don't mess with that kid. Uh, next one up is from Barry Carr, and Barry has a name-related query for us. And he says, "If you went into, if you went into witness protection, we don't know why." Where would you live? Where would you work? And what name would you pick? Now, we'll focus on the name, I think, if anyone's got any interesting aliases they'd like to suggest there. I, I, I always, it always reminds me of that uh, Simpsons episode where uh, Homer goes into the witness protection and they call him, uh, your name's Mr. Tom. <laughs> he doesn't realise he's talking to him, but he goes, I think he's talking to you. <laughs> so I'd go with Mr. Thompson. Mr. Thompson. Uh, Molly, I can hear you coming in there. you got a suggestion. Well, I, I already have an else, but I'd probably go to the alias of Max Power. Again, that comes from The Simpsons, but that, that, that has to be the coolest name in the world, doesn't it? Max, Max Power. Yeah. If you're in witness protection, you don't want to draw attention to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go with Andy, then. 
I don't know. Well, it depends what country you go to. Yeah, yeah. You know, it look it look quite Irish anyway. But like, so I mean, you want to go with a sort of local name, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slip under the radar. <laughs> right. Next one up is from Shiv, and I think this might be his first question to us. And he says, "Which do you prefer on a night out, vodka or whiskey?" Ryan. Pussy. No, no, no. I'm not. No, no. Uh, whiskey. 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 Yeah, definitely. Why is that, Chief? I don't like vodka. Um, I don't actually whiskey kind of makes me cry so I don't know why I'd pick that but uh, <laughs> if I had to yeah JD JD and Coke do you tend to get teary we've got quite a few yeah. emotional chats oh, around yeah. it. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe not Floody's not here so we don't <laughs> we don't have our usual no if, a few cans and then I'd get confident in myself and I'd get a whiskey and I'd be <laughs> blabbering to anyone now anyone there sit beside me excellent uh, next one's from uh, Top Lads of Redman TV and they send in this question which TV movie uh, or movie inspired tech would you rather have would you rather have a hoverboard a lightsaber or a talking car anyone want to shout and answer this Phil's got one lightsaber all day long but what are you going to do with that on a daily basis oh though? carnage <laughs> <laughs> fucking carnage lightsabers what's anyone going to do to you exactly like you can dodge bullets like they try to shoot at you or anything you just walk them away fucking imagine Phil with a lightsaber <laughs> oh, Jesus cues I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> people in half, you know, you know, old slow people walking on paths, gone. People, women at women at ATMs, gone. Be sorted. It'll be the best crack ever. You know, you don't need a lightsaber to kill all those people. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it now with an almost sword, like, you know? a hammer. <laughs> we'll all be a character witness at your trial, like, you know? and then into witness protection as uh, what was it? Carlito Espinosa. <laughs> any other any other um, um, shout for the tech hoverboard uh, lightsaber? That's or? It's easy. Ho- yeah. Hoverboard for me. Fucking hell. Why is that, Andy? <laughs> But I need to explain. You do, mate. I don't know what you do with a hoverboard, fella. Go around on it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else has hoverboards. Go around on like, it. You know, just floating around. All right, yeah. <laughs> Hovering boy people. It'd be amazing. <laughs> Have you seen that uh, the new fucking viral video for somebody is saying they produced a hoverboard and... They have uh, your man, the famous fucking skateboarder fella and all on it. Oh, Tony, Tony Hawk's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're all on hoverboards. <laughs> fucking brilliant. It, it looks it. amazing. Is it, no, really? it looks amazing. Imagine that. Like, yeah, look at the video and tell me you don't want the hoverboard after it. Do you just say, is that real? As it is the hoverboard real? Uh, th- no, they're actually working on a genuine prototype. I, I shit you not. I shit yeah, you not. It's like what, what Dave, like saying they're producers, like, you can go any height. Like, and it's, you know, you just move your legs. You know, there's no, like, there's no technical explanation to this. This just goes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this just, there's no jets or anything on it. It just goes around. It just goes around. The, the, one, so, like, the one thing about it is, like, of the tree, only lightsabers and hoverboards don't exist. Yeah, she was talking. There's loads of talking cars. talking. I know, yeah. I know but, I, no, but I, yeah, well, what about a car with a personality that would fuck me right off? Imagine your car giving you shit in the morning. <laughs> Seriously, the fucking life isn't who, difficult who enough. Who life needs more people to talk to? I, I know I don't. Yeah. I don't you don't want the car talking to talk you in the morning. No, you don't. You I get don't into the car for in fucking morning. silence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, not really, because we want people to put the fucking podcast on when they're going to. No, but you don't want to be talking. Look, you don't talk to the podcast unless you're completely. No, but it's up. talking to you. It's like a talking car. Well, hang on. Is it? You don't sit there like, oh, oh, shut up, Ryan. Now, what the hell are you talking about at this stage? <laughs> you say shut up, Phil. <laughs> I tell myself to shut up. <laughs> I'm only new. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not sure. We, we're gonna we're gonna throw this one in here. This is from um, Moments of Wanda, and he asks, 
Uh, this is fucking horrible. <laughs> this is, this is a lead horrible. on from last week. <laughs> truly horrible. Would you rather a blowjob off Charlie Adam or a handjob off Jeremy Beadley? Well, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> why is it easy? Well, why would you want fucking Charlie Adam's fucking dirty mouth around your knob? <laughs> you know what, when you put it like that. <laughs> uh, and, like Jeremy, uh, I, I presume this is the obvious answer. He's a little hand, so it makes your flute look huge. <laughs> I really hadn't considered the aesthetics, Andy, but it's a very good fucking point. <laughs> I'm impressed how quickly you got there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's fucking magnificent. Uh, Will is wondering, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Oh, be uh, well, I always thought it'd be great, to, again, this is The Simpsons, I watch way too much Simpsons, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to stop time. The, uh, Bart and Millers came out across the stopwatch once they was able to stop time and they were able to move around when everyone else was frozen and they broke the clock and they were there for like 20 years or whatever aging when all the people were frozen at <laughs> the time so I think that would be pretty <laughs> cool like, just you know you're in a meeting and everyone's pissing you off you just stop time go get a cup of coffee come in like four hours later after you've had a nap and just everyone thinks you've been there the whole time I think that would be pretty and would cool. you just want to stop or would you be like to be able to rewind and fast forward as well oh no jeez my life's not that good that I want to rewind it <laughs> there's, there's a film called Remote Control which is around, which is on that premise. It was yeah. quite, it was quite touching. It's it called remote control. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't as, as much fun as you think. It's called remote control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't called remote control. <laughs> remote control. Uh, it's like it's like there was that movie Top Gun. You think it's called planes? <laughs> <laughs> Fighting planes. <laughs> We call a film farm boot or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, contributor and Harry bus, says you wouldn't slow down. Lovely. Next one's from Alex. Alex asks you. Um, Ryan, as, as the youngest member of the group around the table and probably a man who's no uh, experience in this, I'm going to ask you because I'd be interested in your take. If your four-year-old spits at you, how do you react? Well, you see, at this age, when you start to think about children, you kind of break down a little bit because it's like, I don't want any children, Trevor. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's not real. If, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. If they sp- in the eye or just they spit at me, well, I, I suppose you'd give them a, li- a bit of a slap. You go um, and slap. Just, just not like a, a bad one, like just a smack on the leg or excellent on just on the on the backside. Bit of the El Corpo um, punishment. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, no, not like a lot. Um, I don't know. Okay, next one up is from Shashank Krishnan. And this is a reaction-based query. How would you react if you just farted in an elevator which had two hot girls in it? What do you do? Pick the slightly uglier of the two and look at her. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. How do you look accusingly at her, is it? <laughs> and then look at the other one and say, give it a nod. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! That's 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 happened, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> that's happened, doesn't it? No man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't think we're going to beat that for a technique. Uh, Neb wants to know, and again, this is our bizarre run of human versus animal questions that we have in this program. He says a recent story saw an otter fight off a crocodile. What do you think is the deadliest animal that you could fight off, Molly? I think I'd fight off a wolf. You know, I'd, I'd fence my chances against Fucking a wolf. Fucking hell, lad. that's a big shout. <laughs> All you have to do is stand your ground. <laughs> if the worst comes to the worst, it's just a finger up the bum and <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's going to take some precision movement there, Molly, when you're, when you're getting bitten in the face, lad. 
but okay, okay, we'll go with that. Uh, Dave, what do you think you could possibly fight off if you were under pressure? Well, I remember a few weeks ago, Phil was making a very compelling case for monkeys with knives. So I'd say a monkey with a knife. I think I could take a monkey with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> not a hope. Not a hope. Those monkeys with knives could take down bears. You're no bear, Dave. You're no bear. Yeah, personally, I wouldn't even be confident of taking down a mole, uh, given some of the answers we've had this evening. So, uh, Next one is from Paul. And Paul wants to ask you a very intimate question. So feel free to... Uh, Awkwardly avoid eye contact if you wish. What age did you lose your virginity at? Tell Uncle Trev. My last mine was 16th birthday. Hey! Can I was yeah, you My 16th birthday, she promised me a big surprise. I was suspecting the Liverpool away jersey. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant. Was she wearing a Liverpool away jersey? They're always be special to me. <laughs> Okay, back to some more uh, mundane stuff now, and we love our we love our food questions here. This is from Ray, and Ray is wondering, batch or pan? And then when you toast it, both sides or one side? Mister McTernan, start us off. Um, I do like a good batch sandwich. Um, toast it as in like in the toaster. What do you mean? Like I think it probably sides? means under under a grill, because mm. you can do one side or the other. Yeah. All oh, right. Oh, I'd never do anything like that now. Um, <laughs> I'd just get the... T- yeah, I'd just stick to the Ali Sissoko special toasted ham and cheese and the George Foreman and that's, that's me done with an old pan. Nice brown, nice brown pan with them seeds you get in little. That's me. Yeah, but if you're doing the George Foreman only once where it's getting toasted, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah, well, like, you're not getting... No, inside. Yeah, yeah no, I wouldn't toast both sides now. Batch. No? Batch on one side. You put two slices in into one part of the toaster. And it comes out toasted on one side each. Technique for you. And what sort of toaster have you got that can take two slices yeah, of batch mine can't? I'll take a picture of it later on. <laughs> <laughs> because I can actually get the heel of the batch and one slice in to one side that of the toaster. Is, that is ridiculous. Are you serious? And, I make, and you can make toasted sandwiches in the toaster. Are it's quality. Sure, are you sure that's a toaster? You're, it is. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> it is. It's, it's two, t- two... But yeah, that's it. It's one side because you get I the... I can't get a batch heel into my toaster. You get the lovely softness on one side and the crispiness and the, the, uh, of the toast on the other side. It's just sweet and then you have the melted butter over it. Mm. Try that has getting putting a knife and fork into the toaster trying to get your bread out written all over I was just going to say yeah. that I can't even get one heel into my I, I will when, when I'm back at the weekend I'll take a picture of the heel and the one slice in and post it on the account please do I'd be very particular now about that would you this one side toasting business fuck that yeah yeah weirdos Weird, like I mean, I've got sandwiches served to me with one side toasted and just like this complete disgust. It's like if you don't put the butter into every corner on the bread. And all but sure, when the inside beautiful. of the sandwich is all soft and warm beautiful. and beautiful and gorgeous, yeah, but it's soggy and stuff. Like, oh, soggy, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right, okay, okay, very specific. I like that. Uh, Alex, one is from John Ritchie, good man, John, host of the AI podcast. He's asking you an underwear based question, and Gray asked a question that I, I actually forgot last week, and he says, um. Who do you fancy that you know you just shouldn't, but you can't help yourself? Uh, he had an example who escapes me at the moment now, but does anyone have anyone like this, like a kind of a guilty pleasure, fancy mm. person? Oh, yes. Mine's not a guilty one as such, but I always feel a bit weird thinking that the girl from Harry Potter is quite attractive. That is a bit odd, yeah. You know, because like you see her in the first movie and she's like 10, and then you see her on the catwalk now, or, you know, in a film premiere, and like she's a good-looking bird. Yeah. But... 
I always feel a bit weird about that one. I don't yeah. want anyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah She's fair. older than me, so fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with that. Mer- Meryl Streep. That's I, I feel a bit weird fancying you as well. Hang on there, Ryan. Hang on. Just yeah. in case that was missed. Who did you just say? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, old enough to be your granny's mother. Yeah, I, ever since I seen her in Dancing at Lunasa, in me leaving cert year. <laughs> Jesus. A fine woman. <laughs> a fine collie in there dancing around the bonfire, I tell you it all together. Is she still alive? I don't <laughs> care. I, I mean, like, you stand a good chance. <laughs> yeah, she can't be getting a bit too often. You know, I'd say the is eating the leg off. She's <laughs> She's a real fucking street black. Of course she's getting off us. She's going to have to come to South County Wicklow. I'd like say, right. say it, it smells like the Jack Star of a fishing car. <laughs> <laughs> and another one gets cut. Uh, Andy, Andy, have you got a shout for us? No, 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 no. I'm not going there with that question. Okay, Molly, you got anyone for us? Oh yeah, I, my uh, the crush I had was my my ex-wife's sister. I knew from the very first day that I met her when I was introduced that I, I picked the wrong daughter. My sister had a massive crush on her. <laughs> That's fantastic. Did, did nobody nobody ever fancy a mate's mum when they were young, though? Or is that just me being a dirty little pervert? Mm, yeah. 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 I, I certainly did. At least two of them. At least two of them. No, man. 80s Dublin. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fucking try 80s Dublin, man. It wasn't much better, but, you know, needs must. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to finish out with a question which has been suggested by by uh, by Molly himself and Molly has asked uh, us uh, to, to go around the room and ask do we have any superstitions before a match I think that's right isn't it Molly any superstitions before a match we'll get you to start the fella well my superstition I just want to see has anyone got a weirder superstition than me before a match oh, ok ok right, well, I'll come back to you then at the end Andy any, any pre-match superstitions uh only after seeing that question there I'm not superstitious at all like I think people that have superstitions are a bit fucking weird but uh, I define myself hovering over the draw like looking at which kind of jersey you're going to watch wear, wear for the match you know I, I do look at jersey say we lost when I was wearing that one well then you are superstitious lad yeah, yeah but yeah. like it's strange like that fucking actually, weird probably, you know, I've just, <laughs> just discovered something that I am actually yeah. quite so oh, would you always put on a jersey to watch the game? Just interesting. Oh, always, yeah. And you do, Mrs. Yeah. brings in a jersey. I'm sitting there, walk, you know, wearing whatever T-shirt. She comes in and goes, you're not wearing your jersey? <laughs> there oh, you go. Jesus, she's spectacular. <laughs> and, That's fantastic. Uh, but um, it was the the Fulham game where we were going uh, into the last few minutes of the game. It was, what, was it 2-1? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, I was looking at myself wearing a jersey. I'm fucking sick of wearing this jersey. I knew. So I took it off. And just was sitting there for the rest of the game, like it was just no top on, and we scored. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not wearing that jersey for another game. You're not going to wear it again. Or else I'll just take my jersey off at the end of every game. Very that good. Espe- yeah, especially for one down or whatever. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah, that's weird. Like, I mean, superstitions, like, as if the world is dependent on Jordan. Yeah, but, and yet you find yourself falling into I know, I used yeah. to be destroyed with superstitions, uh, uh, waving at magpies. <laughs> uh, fucking, seriously, I caught myself yeah, in, a, in a Dublin bus looking in the window. Pulling, I used to have a forelock back in the day when I had long hair and tugging me forelock and saying hello Mr. Magpie and waving with the other hand I saw my reflection and went you fucking twat so since then I haven't had any superstitions Jeez, I actually have fucking superstitions <laughs> magpies as well yeah. when I walk past a magpie I always say alright captain <laughs> always you know what I say now I used to say hello Mr. Magpie now I say fuck you 
I swear <laughs> to God. Which, which, which is now turned into a superstition. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, Dave, you got one? Uh, not so much superstitions, but I do have routines. I never watch the pre-match build-up until the teams come out. Yeah, I'd uh, be like that. Now. So I never watch Sky. I never watch the Sky build-up or the BT build-up or anything like that until the teams are actually out. Um, I did start a tradition where my son, who's two, uh, you know, used to wear his Liverpool jersey, and I'd wear the, the Liverpool jersey. You know, we'd watch the match, but he just started clapping for anyone who plays in red. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, "Fuck off." <laughs> Great with your mother. <laughs> so it was like, and my third one is I stand throughout the entire game. So do you? Yeah. I, I have oh, to do that. Oh, oh yeah, I have, I have to sit on oh, the arm. The whole game. Yeah, yeah. The whole I, game. I march around the, sit, yeah. the sitting room. I never sit down, yeah, ever. Yeah. And actually, I found myself jumping with the defensive wall. Yeah. I'm fucked up, actually, now <laughs> I think about it. No, I'm uh, I never sit down. Yeah. Never sit down. Ryan, any... any Anything worse God. than I dress like Joe Allen and I get an Alice Sissok at half time now. That's what I do. <laughs> well, look, Molly finishes out with this. What's, what's your show? Well, my superstition is I won't knock one out the night before a match. <laughs> <laughs> because if you do. You hang on, you hang on to the full you Molly. just knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> and we lose the following day. I looked at it basically. God has no punished me. He's like the guy. It's Irish Catholic guilt that kicks in, you see. So I know the fuse. Not going to. And it's worked this season. It's worked one day. Right, fucking Someone, uh, someone like Liverpool win and you put your Mickey off and fuck it at the wall. There's Suji everywhere, isn't there? He's like your man Joe Joyce. You, I had to stay away from my woman's heart for four weeks now to find you. That's what he's like. Oh my god, that's That's fantastic, Molly. Like that, like that. Okay, finally, then some admin. Um, the HJC Cup Ireland is on March 22nd, which is very close now, in Astro Park in Dublin's premier five side venue. The most important thing, as we were saying before, will be the auction for HJC on the night to bring your wallets. Big thanks, as always, to Johnny Rep for our class intro music. Um, you can follow us, our news and our views, at Liverpool Ways, so get following that, and also follow Molly's www.beyondthecop.com. My own writing can be found on liverpoolofside.sbnation.com, which you should be checking out daily because... There are a hell of a lot of decent writers on that website at the moment. Subscribe to All Things Trippery either on Podbean, iTunes or via any podcatcher such as Beyond Pod on Android. And finally, your day trippers tonight were Nicky Ald, Ryan McKernan, Molly, Dave Thomas, Andy Young, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey. Let's beat the Manx! For the worst is after the game you're going to be like, oh, I know what he's doing now. Oh my God. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. And now, during the Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep, all Tempur-Pedic mattresses are on sale, with savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Get your best sleep, all night, every night. Learn more at TempurPedic.com. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Sports Social Podcast Network.